the the biggest crime against you ever would be for you to commoditize it and try and charge the least amount of money possible to get a client a client that's not even going to appreciate you doesn't care is going to be nickel and diming you to death until you can't afford to work anymore destroying your morale to, to what end Welcome back to another installment of the Perspective Podcast. My name is Devin. This is my co-host Mitch Harley, and today we are talking about pricing and uh, you know commoditizing yourself and kicking yourself out of the market because how are you going to sustain a business for a long period of time if you can't make enough money to survive? Um, Mitch, before we press record here, you were talking about um, you know the risks and dangers of pricing yourself at the uh the lowest price so you can compete with the lowest price guys and the, and the dangers in that and i'd love to kind of uh you know get you to start that one over and just share it with everybody here i think a lot of people don't understand the real dangers of of that business model and the trades are very guilty of it i think they're an easy one to pick on because it's it's a very estimate but this this applies to all businesses whether you have a service or a product that you're selling whether you have retail space or not, it doesn't matter. A race to the bottom is going to sink you. That's, that's what it is. You're going to get buried. And everyone thinks, well, if I'm cheap, I'm going to get a bunch of, of clients. Initially, yes. But when you work for that bottom dollar and you work for a, a price where there is no room for error, where there is such minimal profit margin that you can't afford um, to do anything little extra, or you can't afford to go back and fix anything because it, that already eats into your profit. And it's not, and, and like I said earlier, no matter how good your business is, there's going to be little things that need to get fixed. There's little errors that need to be addressed. And that's just life. That's business. That's okay. But if those, if you go back to fix that and you're on your mind, you're like, I can't afford to do that guess what? You're going to start turning away the customer or avoiding them. And now your reputation's on the line. And why? Why is that all happening? Because you were the cheapest. And yes, the initial sticker price, people love it. Let's not ignore that fact. But do you want to work for somebody who is only addressing you because you're the cheapest? Or do you want somebody that values you? To me, I would rather work for five clients that value me than a hundred clients that only want me because I'm the lowest price. What a slap in the face. Well, it speaks to how valuable you perceive yourself to be or the problem that you're solving too. And I think that that there's a deeper psychological price there. I don't know. I'm, I'm always about uh, that, you know, where's your head at kind of scenario. And if you think that you're only worth, you know, $10 an hour, because that's what the other guys are charging and you can't, charge any more than that what does that do to you like your perception of self like in any business in any industry there are people who are trying to go the volume route having more customers at a lower price point means you know success and then on the opposite side of the spectrum few very few customers at a higher price point uh but still earning the same if not and arguably a lot more and the distinction that I like to make here is like, I know, okay, from, from my perspective as a, as a, you know, a business coach or a marketing consultant or, or something like that, let's say I come into the role of, of consulting for a business for marketing and there's a new product launch um, and they have a decent marketing budget. They're ready to go. All of the back end is, is set up and, and waiting and hungry for that traffic now. Okay, let's kick this off. I know how much time and effort I have to spend to um, make sure that that campaign runs successfully. And let's just say it's a, a full 40 hour work week. Okay. So if I charge $50 an hour for the 40 hour work week, I, I'm, I'm capped at this much money. Now, what happens is as a result of my efforts, because I know I'm good at what I do, that business is going to take that product and sell a million dollars of it and I only charge them $1,000 for the week. There's a bit of a discrepancy there because it, had it not been for my time and effort, that million dollars wouldn't have happened. So the way I look at it is, is uh, 
I am worth the problem that I'm solving. The problem that I'm solving is there's nobody that knows about your product and, and is willing to buy it right now. If I do my job right, a lot of people are going to be willing to buy your product and in fact, vote yes, opening their wallets and give you money. And, and if you're making a million dollars, I think that there's a, a share of that that I deserve to have because I am part of the team. So when 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 you break it down like that now, you you can start to see um, that you're not charging based on your time. And this was a, the hardest thing for me to overcome was when even when I was like first starting up my business, I looked at it like, okay, so uh, to manage content for um, you know simple things like Instagram or Facebook, I got to create it. I got to write copy for the descriptions. I got to schedule all the posts and all of these take a certain number of hours. And if I want to charge, you know, a hundred dollars an hour, because I think I'm worth that an hour, um, this it's worth, let's just say it's worth 500 bucks now. So I go out and I do all this work and, uh, I'm only limited to the amount of hours that I could put in. So I put in hundred dollars an hour for this company, this company, and this company, and I'm still limited. There's there's a cap now on, on my ability to serve more people. It doesn't even leave room for me to grow the business, hire on people, and and make room for that you know inevitable future growth if I'm doing a really good job at what of of what I'm doing. So breaking that dollars for hours mentality is like the first I think the first rung on the ladder of being able to defeat that competing with the bottom of the barrel pricing model. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, mechanic shops mm. are something to consider on this too, because they have what's called a shop rate. Mm. Now the shop rate, let's just say it's $110. Yeah. And lots of people fight it. They're like, Oh, $110 an hour. You know, that's too much. Then go somewhere else because the mechanic has to make an hourly income out of that because he's, get, he's getting paid per hour. Out of that comes things they can't charge for in order to facilitate the job that you've brought your car to do, whether that be an oil change or whatever, without even the materials for that oil change, there's rags. Rags cost money. I know it sounds ridiculous, but when you're a mechanic shop, start adding up how much rags you go through. (laughs) Operating expenses of having a nice shop. When they need a new hoist, where does that money come from? It doesn't come from the oil change. It's it's the leftover profit in that shop rate that goes into the fund and it helps upgrade. So do you want to go at a shop where the hoist works sometimes and you're going to put your $60,000 vehicle on it? Or do you want to go to a shop where the hoist works all the time and they upgrade their equipment? Do you want to go to a shop where the ratchets they use strip all the bolts on your car? Or do you want to go to a mechanic who uses proper tools and gets new tools when he can, but can afford them because he's charging a shop rate. So shop rates are very misunderstood. But I think if you take that term and you change, sorry, and you changed it into a business rate, right? So for me, let's, let's say when I had my contracting business, it's not about, Hey, I want to make 40 bucks an hour because that means if I'm saying, Hey, I'm 40 bucks an hour, it means that, out of that $40 an hour, uh, my truck costs money. Fuel, fuel companies don't give a crap about what I'm charging. They're going to charge what they charge. Uh, oil changes. And we're not even talking about the tools that I've had to buy in order to qualify to do the job that I'm only charging 40 bucks an hour for. So for me, for me to break even as, as a construction, a small construction business, I would have to start at 40 before I even paid myself. Yeah. You're not even getting paid. And what, I, and you know what? You touched on this too. What if, because we're all human and human makes mistakes. What if something goes wrong? Like the mechanic shop's a perfect example. The mechanic shop, they have to pay for licensing and, and registering the business and all that kind of stuff. But then they have to pay for liability insurance in the event that something goes wrong. But if you go to you know somebody who's doing a cash job for 20 bucks an hour, or 30 bucks an hour, and they screw your vehicle up, they don't have insurance. What are you going to do? Sue them? They make 20 bucks an hour. What are you going to get out of that? Nothing. You're not going to get, so you're, you're not protecting yourself. You're not considering that, uh, you know, in the event that something goes wrong, you want to be safe. And so I love the idea that, you know, you kind of get what you pay for coming from a consumer perspective. I understand that, 
coming from a business perspective, though, that was a very difficult concept for me to wrap my mind around. How how do you get away with charging this much money for this kind of thing or that kind of thing? Like I felt really uh, really guilty when I was doing my initial quotes for somebody for for you know for video editing. People don't know how much time goes into video editing. Like if I take one minute of um, <clears throat> if I'm filming something and it's one minute of filming, it's going to take me four minutes to edit that. Right. So you take that now and we apply that to you want a 10 minute long presentation. Well, times that by four, it's, it's going to take me the, like so much more time to go through, uh, you know, what it is to edit that video. So now when I say, well, this is how much time is going to go into it. They're like, oh, you, you must be crazy. There's no way that, that you can get away with charging this much. And unfortunately, it's those people that end up paying the, you know, the very low rates and getting the very poor quality thing and coming back to me anyways and saying, uh, you know what, I, I, I need this to be done right. So <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But paying uh, people don't realize the risk of paying cash. They think so. So let's put it in perspective. Um, let's let's talk about a drywaller, for example. Somebody's got a basement. They want a drywall. Well, to get a professional company to, company to come in, there's a market rate, and that market rate allows them to make some money. What they do with that money, that's up to them. But it allows them to run a business, to be insured, to have proper tools, um, to have reliable vehicles to get to site, so that it can be done in a timely fashion. Uh, all these things about running a proper business. Now, somebody else comes in and says, oh, I'll do it for, you know, let's, let's say the job was worth $5,000. Someone comes in, goes, I'll do it for 2,500 bucks cash. Well, it sounds like a pretty good deal. So instead of writing a check, you give them cash, you save half, half the price. But here's, here's the difficult thing that most people don't want to admit. Is that person insured? Because if because the whole premise, nobody thinks outside of this, but cash usually dictates avoidance of tax, right? Yeah. You don't have to pay GST. So I'll pay you cash, and then not neither one of us has to put this on the books. Sounds really simple. Sounds like, oh, it's not a big deal. It's just some GST. It's not. It's not about that. Because for one, if they're willing to skip out on some accounting and some taxes, what else are they willing to skip out on? Are they going to skip out on maybe some quality products that were in the initial $5,000? Are they skipping out on insurance? Do they have insurance? Because if they're willing to skip out on GST, I guarantee they're willing to skip out on insurance. Are they buying cheaper uh, tools that potentially don't do as good of a job? Are they, there's all these, what else are they willing to shave on because that 2,500, they still have to be profitable. They're not dummies. So why are they being profitable out of that? What are they shaving? And so if they're not insured properly, do you know that they're still insured? If a trades company, if a roofer comes and works on your roof with no insurance, if they fall off the roof and break their leg, do you know that they still get paid? Do you know from who? <laughs> you. You pay you. for that. <laughs> because they could turn around and sue you. And you as a homeowner are taking on the liability if they're not insured. Most people don't know that. And some people know that. And they're like, well, that's not going to happen. Do you know how many people fall off a roof? Do you know how many people cut themselves seriously with knives and trades? All Every trade, there's a danger. Do you know if an electrician wires your house inappropriately because they did it for cash and they're not insured? Do my you know brother was a roofer for, for a really long time, dude. And I swear to my brother's a smart guy. Like he's a very, very smart dude. Very, very. He's fallen off the roof like half a dozen times. It's not about falling off good. ladders. He shot himself in the foot with the nail gun. Like shit happens sometimes. You're working quick. You're, you know, you're in the zone. You're doing your thing. And then all of a sudden, bang, you get a, a, a flat nail in the toe. And you're like, oh, whoops. You know what I mean? Like you don't realize that the, this happens. What happens if their helper jumps in the truck, steps on the gas, thinking it was in reverse, hits the side of your house? Oof. Not insured because well, you paid someone for cash. And think about it too, is like, if somebody is willing to lie to the government about their taxes, which like, don't get me wrong, I don't stand for the government either. There's a lot of things that I think they overstep their boundaries and power, to tyranny, whatever the fuck else. But 
conspiracy theory bullshit aside, what kind of person's character who's willing to lie, you know, to, to the government about their taxes, you don't think they're not going to lie to you? You don't think that they're not going to like cut corners? You don't think that they're not going to like hide mistakes because who cares? This is a cash job. They can't come back on me. Mm-hmm. Like you, you got to understand like th- there's a deeper character thing that's going on with that person that's willing to do those things. Yeah. So if, if, if he's going to lie to the government, he's going to lie to you. He's going to lie to the, you know, the next guy, the next guy, the next guy. And is that somebody that you want working for? Can you trust the work that he's going to do if you can't even trust him to pay taxes? Well, from Which, a roofing let's face perspective, it, it's a nominal amount of money compared to how much money they actually make. Yeah. And if they get caught. Right. And if you get caught, right, <clears throat> like there's repercussions there. But let's let's, you know, in the roofing part of it, you pay someone to shingle your roof. Well, anyone can shingle. No, anyone can put on shingles. Let's clarify that really quick. But you say, hey, did you use a synthetic underlay? Yep. How do you know? How do you know? Because usually the guys are doing it for cash. They're not giving you a printout of the system that they put in place. Whereas, so let's take this all back. We've, we've now established that it's very dangerous to use cash job guys. Um, but let's take that back to, are you charging properly? So if you, let's say you're fully insured, you're running, you know, good, good equipment, you buy good product, you've got a good relationship with suppliers, blah, blah, blah. You do your taxes, all good. Why are you competing with this guy? You're not even in the why same are, caliber. Why are you saying, well, I, I, no one will pay more than 2,500 because there's a guy doing it for cash. No, that's wrong. Because you would be better off not working than doing it for what they're doing and trying to run your business the way you should. So when people start charging properly, I'm not talking about gouging. I'm not talking about taking advantage. I'm talking about charging properly. Those guys will go away or they will be minimalized. There's always going to be people that pay for those cash guys. That's fine. Let them have it. Those aren't the people you want to work for anyway. But when you find a clientele that says, no, I need the peace of mind for who works on my property, or I need the peace of mind for who does this service or gives, you know, supplies this product for me, you're going to get a better quality clientele. I saw it all the time. Uh, in, in the roofing world, especially guys that did, they charged more, they charged properly. They had a warehouse for their uh, materials. So it was always good quality. They use good equipment. They were uh, certified with the manufacturers. They went through training. They were running uh, healthy trailers. They were dumping appropriately. All these things that came, but they all come at a cost. And do you know that they were still profitable? Yeah. Versus these guys that had two guys running for cash, having to work seven days a week, had another job on the side in order to facilitate the lifestyle they wanted. Their trucks broke down all the time. The problem, And part of the problem that facilitated that environment was uh, property owners for rentals, they always get the cheap guy, which is unfortunate because it's not creating sustainable housing, honestly it's downgrading all our housing quality. So when you buy a house from somebody that had it as a rental, there's a lot of red flags, but that's another discussion. But that that's perpetuating that cash job mentality. And it, it's just so prevalent in the trades, but guys that are driving, are, are driving the market in a healthy direction, a lot of them are penalized. So he, here's a good example. Um, uh, there, was, there was a guy that I worked for and he went out and bought a, a new truck. He, like, and now we look back and be like, well, that was a pretty affordable new truck because back then he paid like, I don't know, 50 grand for this truck, but it was functional, right? It wasn't, it wasn't like he was driving a Ferrari where he couldn't use it at work. This was for his work. And he, he went out and did an estimate and somebody goes, wow, I must be making a lot of money driving a truck like that, which is such a wrong viewpoint from a client base. Yeah, and you it's definitely don't you want to be overcome. working for that person. You don't want to work for that person because they... They don't want you to be comfortable. They don't care about you. They just think, oh, I'm making, you know, I'm paying all this money and you're just going to buy a new truck. I could find someone cheaper. Okay. Let's put this in perspective. Um, If you had someone drive up in an old beater that leaked oil on your driveway, is that who you want putting the quality into your home? But they're cheap. 
Or do you want the guy that runs up with rims that are so big and his ladders are super, you know, shiny and he comes in and you can just tell that he overspent like he just, but you know what? Here's an interesting thought. Both those guys could charge the exact same. You know what the difference is? Where they put their money. This guy puts his money into marketing aesthetics. Maybe he's got some nice land and he chooses not to put it into, you know, a boat or a fishing trip, right? He wants his luxury. Now this guy over here, and I know this because I've dealt with both these, both of these contractors and, you know, previous jobs, this guy runs really poor equipment, doesn't see the value in marketing and everyone goes, Oh, so he's, you know, obviously a, a more affordable guy. No, he charges the same, but you know where his money goes into his hundred thousand dollar boat that's behind his house that this guy with the fancy truck doesn't have. But what's the point? The point is how people run their business and what they spend their profit on. That's up to them. As a consumer, make your decision based on who's going to give me peace of mind. Who am I comfortable with and who's going to have their butt covered when something goes wrong? Because what ifs are a big deal when it comes to that. Now let's, you can take that into another industry in, in retail. If something's wrong with this product, what am I going to do? Who's going to service me the best? I had this question come up to me the other day. They're like, what brand would you recommend? And I said, in this category, it's not about brand. All the brands have the same parts across. doesn't matter what company you buy from. They're the same manufacturers. They're not, there's not 1,700 manufacturers of this piece. They all buy it from the same place. But the difference is if something goes wrong, because with the amount of electronics and products today, you're always going to have the bad apples, the lemons that come off the line. So yeah. when you get one of those, who's going to look after you? And that is a reputation you can look after. So some people go, oh, I just, I just want the cheap one. Okay, but you're not going to get looked after if something goes wrong with it. And you're going to have to buy it again. Or you could buy the thing that's not double the price. It's maybe another 30% or whatever. And now when something goes wrong, you get a brand new one. So what's more valuable? The risk of this working and you, you save some money or having to buy it again. And the hassle and the time, there's just all these factors that come in with price. But if as the business owner, if you're going back and trying to compete with that lowest price, you will sink yourself because you can't afford to. There's no sustainability there. And I, you Nothing. know what? I have a perfect example of this. Uh, I did real estate photography and marketing <laughs> services, measurements and all kinds of stuff uh, for the better part of a decade. And, um, when I started in this business, uh, I, I had a partner and, uh, we worked together to kind of like establish a client base. And it was from his perception, it was what would, what would the market bear? What can we charge and, and how can we, you know, acquire, uh, a decent number of, uh, clients that will support this business running. Now I have one perspective. He had another, we ended up going with the other perspective and, and here's exactly what happened. So we undercut everybody in the industry. We started charging, I think it was like 70 bucks for a full virtual tour, as many photos as we can get. And, and they're not low quality. Cause like I have a, I have a personal standard of like, when I do shit, it's to the best of my ability, a hundred percent. So so we're out there, we're doing these virtual tours. We're getting all this stuff. We're charging 70 bucks and, uh, I get 35 bucks of that. The rest goes to business operations and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and over time, the, the market could bear a little bit more. We ended up getting to a place where I was charging, uh, or billing 50 bucks for every photo shoot that I would do, but I was doing 10 photo shoots in a day. Uh, this was like from eight o'clock in the morning till seven o'clock at night. I'm doing as many places as I possibly can. And they're, you know, homes anywhere from the, you know, low end starter, single family all the way up to, I actually had the privilege of shooting the second most expensive house in, in Alberta. And, uh, on those small houses, I can get between 30 and 40 photos on those big houses. I can get between one and 200 photos, but it's the same price. So across the board, here's what I'm left to do is I have to figure out a way to be more efficient so I can earn what I think I'm worth. And I, like, I 
obviously wanted to be making $500 a day. That made sense to me. $500 a day is a decent income for somebody. Now, here's the crazy part about it is there's a busy season and there's a slow season. The reason why I needed to make $500 a day was because when my slow season starts, I'm not working at all. So there's three to six months of the year where I am barely making ends meet if I'm working at all, which means in the height of the season, I needed to be hustling more than I was comfortable with in order to sustain. Now, think about this in terms of, you know, the most amount of money I ever made in the best season we ever had was $70,000 in a year. For the amount of work and the quality of work that I was delivering, I can't tell you how much that beat me up from a, from a, you know, a mental health standpoint, just always knowing that the people that I'm working for don't value me. Most of these guys treated you like shit. They're realtors. They don't care. They are, most of them are assholes. And if you're a realtor out there, I'm sorry if I'm, if I'm calling you out, but if the shoe fits, wear it, they want the cheapest thing because they want to maximize the amount of money that they're taking on their, um, on their commissions. And these guys are making anywhere from $5,000 to $50,000 commission on any of these. They, and they're angry that they have to pay $129 for a high quality photo shoot. And that bothered me. So I started talking to other people in the industry. And this is what made me basically wash my hands of it because I knew that there was no place in the business for me to grow. There were guys out there that were charging three, four, five hundred $500 a photo shoot doing one or two a day, but they got to take their time. They got to enjoy conversations with people. They got to go back and edit, you know, in a way that was like really creative and artistic. And they seemed so much more fulfilled in the work that they were doing. We had a thousand clients at one point that we were, we would service over the course of a year. These guys, most 20, 30 clients, and they were pulling in between 150 and $200,000 a year individually. And they were much happier. The clients appreciated the work that they did when they were done. You were lucky to get 10 photos out of it at that price point. Like, let's keep that in mind. You were lucky to get 10 photos out of it. And that's just the photos. That's not even the, uh, the measuring services and all that other stuff that you can kind of tack on. So, so the idea that you get what you pay for is like, I don't, the whole time I'm in somebody's house, I'm like, get out of my way. Stop moving things around. I'm not retaking photos. You're wasting my time. I'm not here to make this, you know what I mean? I'm not here to do this and do that. I'm here to point and shoot and leave. So I got to be out of this house in 15 to 20 minutes in order for this to be rewarding for me. And for me to be putting in 10, 12 hour days and only making $70,000 by the end of the year at the best year we ever had, it's insulting. It's painful. And as a business owner, you, you never want to be there because you, you've created a job for yourself. You've caged yourself in. You've boxed yourself into this commoditized version of what your job can be. It, it sucks all of the enjoyment and all the creativity and all the love out of it. There's nothing left for you to give and, and it will erode away at your personal well-being over a long period of time. And if you really care about the thing that you're doing, like if you're passionate about, you know, I don't know, being a, working with wood or, or whatever the fuck it is, you're really, really passionate about that thing. The, the biggest crime against you ever would be for you to commoditize it and try and charge the least amount of money possible to get a client a client that's not even going to appreciate you, doesn't care, is going to be nickel and diming you to death until you can't afford to work anymore, destroying your morale. To, to what end? How are you going to retire on that? How are you going to have a fulfilling life? How are you going to take your kids and family on vacation charging very, very little amounts of money? It's not, it's not going to pay off. You're going to be yeah. stuck in a prison. And well, that's coming say, from my oh, own personal experience. Yeah, and people say, well, it's on volume-based. <clears throat> okay, let's, nope. let's put that in perspective. It doesn't add up to Walmart. <laughs> Amazon is volume based. That's fine. That's a model that works for them. Do you know how much volume they have to do? Like it is that is not a realistic expectation for middle-sized businesses, small to medium-sized businesses. There is it's not that there's not enough out there. You don't have the ability to do the volume to sustain at a low rate. And so here, here's a really good example of someone that stuck to their guns. Um, uh, the indigenous community has artwork. 
And I had this conversation with somebody that is very um, educated in that artwork and very good at what they do. And they said that uh, someone they knew, she was an older lady, and she made handmade hide moccasins. Like that takes time. Yeah. And, and all the artwork was custom, handmade. Nothing was done through assembly line, anything. It was all done in-house. Do you know what she charged for a pair of those moccasins? $50. No way. And it just, that broke my heart. Because I'm like, that's somebody that doesn't see their own value. Bro, that's sweatshop money. So, so we, t- we did a comparison. We said, look, you're charging $50 for these because you don't think people will pay more than that which is sad, but let's just put that aside. You've been charging $50 for like 30 years. Like we need to show you the value of what you have here. Now there's a company out in um, Manitoba uh, that make mucklucks, like the moccasins, the tall boots. They, They have a whole variety of things. There is a pair of the kind of their standard that starts at $350. Starts. At three hundred fifty dollars, their higher boots. I mean, they're legit. I'm not saying it's not Five, worth it. They're beautiful, bucks, right? Six, seven hundred dollars, and people pay it. And you know what? You can go to Walmart and buy a twenty dollar pair of shoes, but there's people wearing these seven, eight hundred dollar mucklucks in the wintertime, and the reason is they are beautiful and they're comfortable and they're warm and they're authentic. Yeah. They're everything people are looking for, and they're willing to pay for it. Meanwhile. This lady over here has the same quality, same beauty, same everything on a smaller scale, but doesn't think that she could ever charge that. And it's just, it breaks my heart because you're competing against Walmart with a product that should be in a museum. Well, like, and I think and, I, I and that's just one example. That happens all the time. That, that happens in, in the trades world, in the vehicle world. It, it doesn't matter what industry you're in that mentality is there. And I think that there's a paradigm shift that needs to occur because you get stuck in this paradigm. And I think the paradigm comes from your environment. So I don't know, let's say a low, uh, or I live in a lower income neighborhood and my friends are all lower income people. I'm talking about maybe 50,000 or less. Like in, in our city, that's, that's barely making enough to get yeah. by. So if you're there and, and you're worried about going to Walmart and spending on a pair of shoes. That's how you see the world. That's your frame by which you see the world. So now you go make a pair of shoes. And if you charge any more than $35 for that pair of shoes, you're like, this is never going to sell because you think you have to compete with that shoe. Now let's put this in perspective. That shoe was made on an assembly line by a bunch of robots. And so the real volume based model yeah, and very poorly, right? Like, like it's no care and attention went into making that shoe. It just was made. So now they push and push, push more, 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 more shoes. The real cost for them to make those shoes is two dollars. So they're making four, five, six hundred percent on their money. So that's the paradigm shift that needs to happen. You got to factor in your time, the resources, and all that kind of stuff that goes into creating the thing that you're creating, whether that's you're building a deck, a fence, a house, and putting a roof on, or you're making mucklucks. It doesn't matter. You got to factor those things in and then go, okay, what is that worth to me? What is that worth? And then you got to go find the people that are going to pay that money. And they might not be in your neighborhood. Yeah. And that means you're not targeting the right people. See the same thing we were targeting in the photo thing. We were targeting guys that didn't care about the houses. They were just listing them and they need the cheapest, easiest way to get that thing listed. And, and we were being treated that way. But these other guys, they were targeting the people that listed the million dollar plus homes. And they only list 10 or 15 of those a year. And so if you have 20 of those and you're getting to it, you know what I mean? Now the math adds up. Yeah. Now you can make $150,000 a year. I found this thing. I'm, I'm going to try and do something different here and just do a quick little screen share. <clears throat> this chart changed the way that I see uh, the world. Can you see the screen? No, I just see the logo. You see the logo. Okay, let me try putting it over here. Okay, you see that? Yes. So if you're selling a $200 product, you need 5,000 people to buy that to make a million dollars. 
That's crazy perspective right there. If you're selling a $500 product, you only need 2000. If you're, if you're selling a thousand dollar product, you only need a thousand people. So the higher priced your product gets, if you sell a $200,000 product, you only need five people to buy it. And I know that seems like really, really outrageous, but what problems are out there that can you solve that are worth a $200,000 price point? And then you only need to sell five of those things. So like taking this and putting it into uh, uh, perspective, how do I, okay, how do I get out of this now? But I think you look at that chart and it, and it shows like, okay, let's, let's use a roof as example. Is this a $200,000 roof uh, on the average home? No. So you need more than five, but if your competitor is at $200, but doesn't bring the value and you go in at $500 because you have so much more to offer. Look at the, look at the difference in number of customers that are needed. Right. Like it's, it's crazy. And, and most we're not, I'm not talking about a, you know, a village of 500 people that live in there. Let's look at a, a city like, you know, Texas or Vancouver or Toronto or Detroit. I mean, you're, you're talking millions and, and millions of people. And out of those millions and millions of people, you only need a couple thousand over the course of a year or two years or whatever, if you're trying to hit that million mark. Right. And that's a $500 product. So, and out of that $500 product, is that $500 profit or is that $500 including costs? Because then that's, you know, a conversation we'll have in the future about doing PLs and things like that. But if you're not fully aware of your product and the value you bring. So here, here's another um, thing to think about too, when it comes to pricing. So going back to the, the, the roofing world this year, this year across the board, not just in roofing, but in, in so many um, products with factories being shut down because of COVID because of uh, wage instability and employee instability, prices went up. It's just a fact. Uh, people are paying more for used vehicles right now than new sticker price because of the shortage. So pricing's all over the map. Now on raw materials, prices went up. So if you're stuck in this mindset that people won't pay you know, $3.50 a square foot for this for this service, but your material just went up 4%. Like, sorry, but find new customers because you deserve to make an income. You deserve to make a living and you deserve that your business is run properly. And the cost of business, it doesn't, it doesn't go down. You've got the cost of business that goes up. You've got the cost of materials that are always going up. You need to be in ratio with those two things. And if your competition decides that they're not going to stay, keep that ratio going, that's on them. Let them. They might do well for the first three months, but when things are booking up, guess what? Who cares? Who cares about them? Let them do their thing. Why are you trying to mimic someone that you're better than? Why are you, are you modeling your business pricing off a business model that is flawed? I, I, don't, I don't understand that, but that it does come back to a mindset of, of scarcity. Right. And that's, that's a hard one to overcome, but your cost, your fuel and your truck, do you want a crappy truck that you have to put a thousand dollars to every month to change the alternator and the transmission because it keeps breaking down? Or do you want to spend $800 on a new vehicle because of monthly payments? That's up to you. Right. But like don't let that perception fool you that they're doing better than you are. It's irrelevant. Stop comparing yourself to other businesses. Are you making the income that you need to make to be sustainable? Is your business becoming profitable? And is your client base happy? That's it. It doesn't matter that someone's charging double what you're charging. It doesn't matter that someone's charging half of what you're charging. The guys that are making that are charging double, maybe they're gouging, but guess what? They found a market that doesn't care. Why are you, why are you belittling yourself? And so many businesses do that. They think, oh, I can, people won't pay that. Stop, stop saying what people will or won't buy. They don't even know. How do you know that? Like, okay, think about it like this. A car's a car's a car, right? Four wheels, engine gets point A, point B. Cool. You can go buy a Ford Taurus for $1,100 right now on Kijiji. And, and you can get from point A to point B. And even if you were to buy a brand new Ford Taurus, 
30, 40, 50,000 dollars, whatever that is, it's still a, a car's a car's a car, right? Well, that car is made on an assembly line and um, with a certain level of quality of products. And when it's done, it's done. And then you buy that car and that's the car that you get. But check this out. Bentley makes quarter of a million dollar cars. That's as much as a house in a lot of places. So how are they selling thousands of cars every year if nobody's going to pay that much compared to a $50,000 Ford Taurus? It's because people want to pay for the thing that is better if they can afford it. Like, like, be honest with yourself. If you had a million dollars in your pocket right now, are you going to go buy a $50,000 Ford Taurus? Or are you maybe going to buy a $70,000 Jaguar that's a little bit more comfortable? I'm not saying you're going to jump right into a Bentley with a million dollars, but an extra $10,000 for something a little bit more comfortable doesn't really mean shit to you when you have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But the thing is with Bentley, here's here's the kicker. You know, Bentleys are handmade vehicles. Like there are guys, like a team of dudes that come together. Maybe there's some girls, I don't know, I've never been in the factory, but there's a team of people that come together and like hand make that vehicle. Somebody is hand stitching the seat you're sitting in. The, the level of detail that goes into the creature comforts that's in that car. Is, is phenomenal. And that's why it's worth a little bit more. So you got to ask yourself something. Are you just trying to do the bare minimum to get by? And is that why you feel like you need to charge the bare minimum to kind of get by and compete with the guys that are just barely making it as well? Is that what you want for yourself? Or do you want more? Can you deliver more? Can you do more in your job? And I think about it in terms of this, the plumber. Okay. The plumber goes to a house that the sink is leaking. There's a big problem with it. It's all backed up and they haven't been able to do dishes for a month. And just the counters are a disaster. And the plumber comes in and he looks at the place. and He's like, okay, cool. I know what I got to do. He gets in there. He starts, you know, mucking about getting his job done. And he's using the best materials he possibly can. He's using his two decades of knowledge to figure out what happened. And let's not make, let this happen again. And he gets everything fixed up. And then He takes the dishes from the counter and starts washing those dishes. And let's be honest, how long does it take somebody to wash, you know, some dishes, a half hour, maybe 45 minutes. And he puts that time in. And why does he put that time in? Because when he's done and he goes, the homeowner's like, oh, no, please stop. You don't need to wash my dishes. He goes, no, I need to test to make sure that my work is good. He's willing to spend that extra half an hour there scrubbing off a few dishes to prove to the client that his work is good because he believes in himself, but that's a value add. You think that homeowner's not going to tell every single person that homeowner knows about how amazing this plumber was. Not only did he fix the problem, he did it in a timely fashion. He did it with materials that are going to last. I never feel like I'm going to have this problem again, but he went above and beyond that and cleaned my whole kitchen. But it's because he, he charged accordingly because he didn't finish the job and go like, okay, now I got to get into the next one. Otherwise I'm going to lose money today. It was like, no, yeah. you know what? I can take the extra half hour, 45 minutes and I'm not even going to feel it. And the customer's going to be so happy. Who wins? They both do. If I, I do this a lot, right? Because it's, I'm not gouging. I'm not overcharging, but I charge where I can do those things to make someone feel better. If I have to do those things that, you know, weren't maybe expected up front, that they're like, oh, this came up. Okay, you know what? Let's just address it. It's not a big deal. You're not going to get charged extra. Let's just let's look after it. And the the feeling of satisfaction that comes from that on both sides, it creates sustainability. But if if you're like, no, I, I can't really, or I got to charge extra for that for like a two second thing. So the other day, for example, um, I was at this place and hung a shelf, and it seems like a really simple task, but just hung a shelf and we had kind of an arrangement of I'd come in and, you know, do it for 50 bucks. It was like a five second job, whatever. Right. It was, to me, it was like a kind of a no brainer. Yeah. And while I was there, they're like, Oh, uh, we need this picture done and we don't have the right tools. I'm like, yeah, I'll put it up, hung the picture. And they're like, what do we owe you? I'm like, nothing. Like I've, I'm okay with that. Whereas some people, if they charge $5 to put the shelf up, well, then it's like, now I got to hang a picture. Like, I, I'm going to need another five bucks. 
And now all of a sudden it's this grudging relationship because you've inconvenienced and they're, you know, they might've been willing to pay the five bucks, but now it's like another transaction. But it, that seems stupid and simple because we're talking $5 here, but that premise that stays the same, whether it's a $50,000 job or a hundred thousand dollar job. And people need to understand that when, when your business charges properly, you can do those little things that make you have a sustainable business. But if you're so tight that you can't even stop and talk to somebody to get their neighbor's sale, right? The neighbor yeah. wants you to come to work at their place, but you're like, I'm, I, I can't, I can't right now. Well, what does that tell them? And it's because you didn't charge enough. And, and that's going to be reflected. So charging enough is, yes, it's, it's about insurance. It's about having a, a proper run business. It's about safeguarding the clients as well as yourself. But it's also about how you present to, to the, the world, your potential clients. How do they view you? Do they view you as somebody that can't take the time because you're so desperate to finish the job to get paid because you're behind on your bills? Or is it, the guy that comes in, does a good job, everything's chill, you know, does that little bit of extra for you. You know, you're going to get the most value because you went with him. He's friendly. He's trustworthy. That's the guy you want. You don't want a guy that you just is so sporadic. You don't know what's going to happen. He's kind of a hassle every time he shows up, but he was cheap. Oh, and, and you're stupid busy because you got to take on more work because you're like scared that you're not going to have work. And so yeah. now you, you can't even show up at the plate because you got to be like, oh, I'm over here. I'm over here. I'm over there. And you lose your, your mind. You're, you're like a chicken running around with his head cut off. I think it's, it starts with, first of all, that, that mindset shift of like moving out of the place of scarcity into abundance. And I know this is going to seem really, really counterintuitive, especially if you are in a scarcity mindset right now. Um, you just have to imagine what it would feel like if you were in abundance, if, if money grew on trees and all you had to do was go to the orchard and pick it yourself, how would that feel? And, and really take the time to let that sink in, meditate on that. Think on that in the shower, just repeat to yourself, money comes to me from multiple sources and in increasing amounts. And what's going to happen is you're you're going to behave differently, like right from the very beginning. Like I said, it's going to feel weird. I had to do this for myself when I was moving out of that paradigm. And it feels really weird. But then the next time you get on a phone with a client, you act differently. And they, they can sense it. So somebody calls you up and they're like, yeah, I just wanted to get a quote on uh, building a fence in my backyard. It's not a big deal. It's like 20 feet, nothing special. I just need something done. You're like, okay, yeah. Um, I, I, we definitely have that capacity to make that happen. Um, you know, what, what can I get some more details? What do you want to know? Or like, what do you want to build? How do you want it to look? What kind of wood do you want to use? Cause you don't care about the money. You care about serving this client to the highest capacity that you possibly can. And so, you know, if you go from, okay, this could be a thousand dollar deal right now. And you just take that, like, you're not going to get it ever again because you will. And you, and instead you just come from that frame of like, I'm good. Let me see how I can help this person. Well, maybe you turn that into a $1,500 deal because he upgraded his package from, you know, just regular pine to treated wood. And that treated wood's a little different to work with. So it's going to take a little bit more time. You got to, you want to be careful. I want to make sure that I deliver you the best possible fence that you're going to get. So pressure treat is going to last a little bit longer. Um, I'm going to be, I got to do a little bit more work. So it's probably going to take me two days instead of one. So um, I think I can fit that in, you know, in a few weeks, blah, blah, blah. And now you've positioned yourself as the right guy to go with because you're knowledgeable, you're comfortable, you're not freaking out about where your next deal is coming from. And the homeowner senses that they're like, okay, I trust this person. I'm ready for this person. And that's how you start shifting out of that scarcity mindset. And when you, when you start realizing that there is an abundance of opportunity, like think about it in terms of this, there are a million millionaires in Canada. Like, and I'm sure the number is actually like a little bit bigger than that, but a million millionaires, there are a million people that you could possibly charge a lot of money to do some work for who want a, a high quality job that will allow you to fall back into that love for your passion, to do the job more carefully, more caringly. And 
when you start having more opportunity like that, all the money and all that other stuff that you, that you desire is going to come as a result of that. But it comes from that, that initial frame shift of, you know what? I don't have to compete with the lowest. I'm going to do what I think is, is, is makes it worth it for me. And here's <laughs> one of my mentors challenged me. Cause I was like, yeah, I'll do, uh, I could, I could manage somebody's social media for a hundred dollars. I think I can make that happen. You know, that's 20 bucks an hour worth of my work. If I'm going to break it down. Right. And he goes, just, just double your price and see what happens. The next client you talk to, just double the price and just tell them that and see what happens. And so like on my next call, I was like, yeah, we'll do this, this, and this is 200 bucks. Oh, wow. That's a really great deal. And I was like, what? <laughs> I know. What do you mean? That's a really great deal. Cause I was in this frame that I had to be charging a hundred dollars because I, you know, I didn't feel like it was worth it or whatever the fuck. It, and to them, they get all this free time back. And, and now you're like targeting customers. They can build their business and you've, you've solved a hundred problems. So, so start from that place, like change that idea of, of being in scarcity to, you know, what abundance is coming to me. It's coming. It's on its way. The universe is going to deliver it to me. And I know that sounds really woo woo, whatever, but, but, but it's, but it's true. It changes the way you interact with people. That's the tangible science behind it, right? It might feel woo woo at first, but there's some real shit going on in the background of the way that you interact with people. When you shift the way that you see the world, people want to buy from somebody they're comfortable with. And mm -hmm. if they, they know that when they're buying cheap, they're getting someone that they don't necessarily like, but that's a decision they have to make. So if you're a likable person, and you, you know that you are honest and you're going to do the best for them, why put yourself in that category? And when you present yourself differently, you will attract a better clientele. You'll attract people that are willing and see the value to pay for things. So um, here's, here's kind of a, an example that, that I can use to wrap it up. How frustrating is it to buy a plane ticket because what's, what's famous about plane tickets? You buy it, it's like, oh, it's $199. You get to go here. Perfect. You have $199 in your hand. But what does it turn out to be? A lot more. And then when you get there, oh, you have bags? Okay. Well, it's going to be another $25 per bag. And if it's over this weight, it's going to be another $25. There's all these hidden add-ons and extras. People hate extras. If they would just come out and say, because they, they tried defending it and they're like, well, that's a gas fee. And that's a bag. Like, that's not on us. That's just added fees. I don't care where the money's coming from. Tell me what my price is going to be so that I can plan for it because I have a family of five. It makes a big deal. Don't be the airlines. The only reason people go with the airlines is because they want to fly and they still pay the price, but they do it begrudgingly. Yeah. What people hate is when you're doing a job and you know that they're going to need this halfway through the job, but you price it with this package and you don't offer anything, but you just need to be the cheapest. And then halfway through, they're like, Oh, what about this? You're like, yeah, we could do that. It's going to be extra, 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 extra read all about it. And all of a sudden their price is back to where your competitor was. That is a scammy way of business and clients need to weed those people out. And it drives me nuts. There was a, there was a guy in the concrete world. We used to call him, extra Victor because <laughs> everything he did, it was extra. I don't know what he based his initial thing on because pouring a sidewalk. Oh, you want the concrete? We would joke about this. Oh, you want concrete on the sidewalk? Okay. Well, that's extra, <laughs> you know, and it, we made this joke out of it, but that's, he just, he would come in with this dirt ball price and everything was extra because once he's on there, what are you going to do? Not pay it. Yeah. He's already dug up your backyard. He's, it's, it's already halfway done. And now all of a sudden the price goes up. So if you're not, if you're the person that's going to run your business where you don't do that to your clients, yeah, you, you might see the other guy scamming it out, catching some clients, but guess what? He's not going to be there next year or he's not going to have a very good reputation and he's going to have a clientele to represent that. So don't be scared. Don't think for clients, right? Don't assume what they're going to think. Be confident in what you have. You're good at what you do. Yes, there's other businesses that do the same thing as you, but who cares? It doesn't matter. There's other places to buy Amazon products, but guess what? Amazon still exists. There's all these examples of that. 
Costco, Walmart, they have some of the same products. Guess what? They still coexist and they charge different prices for it. If you go to the, all the grocery stores, if you really want to nitpick and be a couponer, you can buy your apples at Walmart and your bananas at Save On Foods or Loblaws or whatever grocery store you have, IGA, and they're all going to be a little bit different. So if you want to drive around and save 10 cents for each product, you can do that. But those companies don't care. They don't care that the next grocery store is 50 cents more because they're confident in what they have and people are buying it. And the customers that come to them are going to continue to buy that. Well, and ask yourself that. Okay. Are you ever going to be that 10 cents you just saved on bananas? Are you ever going to be 10 cents away from your dream coming true? You could be 10 cents from being bankrupt. (laughs) Yeah, very much so. So, so how do you go about interacting with the world in a way that's going to like obviously limit your ability to do the things that you want to do. If, if your customers you belittle you, up. they're not going to let you get to your dream because let's be real too. You're never going, you're never going to charge. If you do, you're a terrible person, but you're never going to charge one client and think, okay, I want to go to Hawaii in November, but I only want to do this one job. So I need $30,000. <laughs> Some guys function like that. I know them. And I'm like, I don't know how the heck you convince someone to do that because that's ridiculous. Like that is, it's not even. And why are you charging $30,000 on every single one? If you can do it on that one, like that doesn't make any sense. So for some, some reason, and good for them, they made it happen, but that shouldn't be how you price either saying, what do I want? You know, I have this thing and how do I make enough money to do it? That shouldn't be how you price your jobs either. And unfortunately, lots of people do. So all of a sudden there's this crazy variance in, you know, companies chart, what, what is the market? You've got a guy charging 30,000, a guy charging 3000. What's the difference? Well, this guy wanted to go to Hawaii on that one job. So when you run a business, what you want, what you want to drive is almost irrelevant, right? It it might factor. It's like, I want to have a higher profitable business because I want this lifestyle. Okay. Then you have to accommodate the business for that, but you can't go into a job the one specific job or one specific sell or sale and being like, okay, this is the one I, I really need that Lamborghini. So I'm going to just going to milk it for this one. It's like, no, your business as a whole should have congruency in its sales and how it charges. And if you're not charging enough as a whole to, to accomplish your goal, then you need to adjust that. But when you do that and you do the whole congruency, then nobody will ever nitpick that you're doing this or you're, what are you doing personally? You're charging too much. No, I'm, I'm not charging too much. And I don't have to justify to you either buy it or don't. Yeah. But if, and the but more if time you, you tell spend... people that they're not going to buy it, or you tell people that this, you need to educate people. And if you're bringing that value base, they're not going to question you. But if you continue to compete with those guys down at the basement, you will always have to justify and you will go crazy trying to justify your pricing. Yeah. The more time you spend there trying to convince people, the less time you actually have to serve the ones that are willing to compensate you for the, for the value that you were actually worth. Uh, I think it was Brad Lee. I saw in a, um, a podcast episode or a TikTok or something like that. He was talking about, uh, how to defeat that, uh, objection from just from a sales standpoint, when you're trying to close that deal and okay, you charge $10,000 for this service, but your client or your competition is charging $5,000. And he gave me this golden nugget that I was just like, wow, that is mind blowing. He goes, yeah, uh, a lot of people go over to my competition and pay that $5,000. And then when they're not happy with what they get, they come to me anyways, and they pay me the $10,000 to do it right. So now do you want to save that $5,000 in bad experience? Or do you want to, or do you want to just kind of, you know, do what everybody else did and, and screw that up for yourself? I just, but he doesn't was- reimburse that 5,000. Yeah, yeah, you still pay the five thousand, and then they're going to come tape the ten. So now they've actually paid fifteen, and that's that's the the lesson to learn with cheap people. A lot of yeah. cheap people end up paying more to save money. Yeah, and it's so. What one last quick example? I was in the Gucci store. Never thought I'd ever be caught in there, uh, only <laughs> for the reason because I know that I can't afford anything in there. It's just nice to feel expensive. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to play the part. <laughs> I walk in there, I pick up a belt off the shelf, and I'm like, it's a belt, right? Leather belt. It's probably the only thing in the store that I can even come close to affording. Um, That's a paycheck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I, I look at it and just before I put it on out of curiosity, I look at the price tag. 
And a lot of thoughts went through my mind when I saw the three digit number. And I was like, this is almost a four digit number. And it's, it's a belt. <laughs> and you know what? It took me back. But my first thing was, oh, this is, this is crazy for, the, for a belt. Maybe it is because I could go down the street to a big box store and buy a belt for $5. Or I could buy a belt for $950. <laughs> Where am I at? Does my budget allow me to buy the $950? No. But am I going to be like, oh, that's way too expensive? Is it? Because obviously people are buying it. So why, when people have the option to buy a $5 belt at Walmart, are they spending $950 on a belt at Gucci? Why? And it, I'm not going to get into that answer right now, but you have to figure that out for yourself. Why is there a group of people that would spend that on that belt when they have the option to buy it over here? So it begs the question in my business, why is there people willing to spend more money for these guys when they have the option to buy from this really low price guy over here? Why, where am I, and where do I fall into that pendulum? And you have to ask those, yourself those questions and you have to understand your clientele. And if you have the wrong clientele, then get new ones because maybe that's your problem. Maybe you know your value and you're focusing on the wrong people. Stop working for people that don't value you. And that maybe that's a little bit of effort. It's going to take stepping out of your comfort zone, but that is how you start running a proper business that's profitable, that supports you, your goals and your family. And you work for people that actually care. Go out there and, and find your tribe. You got to be fishing in the right place. I think that's a huge part of it. So uh, we'll wrap this episode up here. Um, if you need any help or um, have any questions, want to be a guest on the show, you can email us directly at email theperspective at gmail.com or you can jump over to the website now, theperspective.ca, theperspectivepodcast.ca. Um, and engage with us on the socials. You can send us a DM. You can comment on any of the clips or any of the little things that we do here. Um, we're here to support you. We do have some free resources that, that, that are available that'll help kind of guide you if you get lost or you're stuck or um, you need help with, uh, you know, getting things on the right track with your business. Um, but uh, until next time, that's it for this episode. And we will see you in the next one.